You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Honey, it's time for Chasing the Word. We're moving on in our series of psalms in the Psalms of Ascent, Mm -hmm. which we started with Psalm 120 over the past couple of weeks. Welcome back to the microphone. Thank you. It's good to be here. When going up, it's a journey. We learned that the journeys that the people of Israel took over hundreds of years Mm -hmm. for the festival days up to the city of Jerusalem and being revived even in recent generations is something that God ordained from way back when for the people of Israel to remember many times during the year what it's like to worship the one true God. So this wasn't just a once a year kind of celebration. People would make this journey as often as possible for as many of the festivals as possible. And I guess there probably were super travelers over those years that made it an every year event for every special celebration they could possibly do. And we're following along with the ghosts of our ancestors, so to speak, as they do that journey on foot on the way from wherever they came from. Could be as far as the northern territories or in some foreign country. Could be as near as just down Jericho, which was maybe a a day's or a couple days walk. Mm -hmm. But it's still a big deal to walk on foot any length of time and ascend to the mountain where Jerusalem sits. Well, traditionally, there are seven festivals that occur throughout the year that are on the Jewish calendar. So the times of worship that they are not required, but strongly encouraged to come up to Jerusalem for these festivals that these Psalms are used in that journey. And what we know about this land, the Holy Land, is that it is a very rocky and sometimes treacherous place to travel, especially on foot. So now, you know, in modern days, we have our vehicles or a train or a bus or those kinds of modes of transportation that make things a little more smooth for us. But these folks were primarily walking this journey. Sometimes maybe if they were a little more wealthy, they had a donkey or a wagon. But the ground was uneven and difficult and easily tripped up and fall and scrape knees and that sort of thing. So these psalms have special meaning for them. They talk about the treacherous way they're walking and the pilgrimage that they're on. It's important for us to get our mind back into that mode and not think, oh, I'm just going to jump in my car and take this journey. Back in the day when I got to see the Holy Land myself Mm. when I was just a teenager, coming up from Jericho to Jerusalem was a treacherous experience, not because it was dangerous in a vehicle to travel on the road, but because it was dangerous to travel in a war zone. There were still hostilities with the country of Jordan at the time, and we had made a beeline down from Galilee to Jericho, Mm -hmm. and from Jericho around the Dead Sea back up to Jerusalem. And the bus had to fly along at about 100 miles an hour just for, quote, extra safety, (laughs) which seemed (laughs) a bit much when you're hovering over the road over bumps. (laughs) When we got to Jericho, we spent time climbing around the ruins of that place, and you could look up and see the hills in front of you. You knew what you were driving into. Of course, these are modern roads, mm-hmm. but as we went up through the valleys, they're, they're deep and they're dark, even with a vehicle. They would say, this is where the old ancient road is, to uh, Jerusalem from Jericho yeah. would cross back and forth. And you could see the ruts and the worn stone mm-hmm. on both sides of the road from time to time. It would follow the creek bed and come back up and would disappear under the modern road. And it reminded me of being in the South back in the 1980s, living in Nashville and traveling along the old Natchez Trace Parkway down to see friends in Mississippi. It was one of the original highways of America, and it would wander back and forth through the hills. And because it was now a national park, 
even with a modern beltway that goes through that whole thing, a beautiful two-lane scenic road to drive, every few hundred yards you would see that old trace crossing back and forth, see the ruts of original settlers that would bring goods and services up from Natchez all the way down near the middle part of Mississippi by road over this track all the way back up to Nashville. It was the original highway. So you think about all the people that traveled those roads. And if you've ever seen an old rutted road like that crossing over where you're driving, you understand that it just draws you. Mm-hmm. It draws you back to a place at a time. Well, it reminds you of your heritage in some ways. It yeah. reminds you of your past. And I think that's a good point that you can look at with these pilgrimages, the steps that they're taking on this pilgrimage. And the steps that we're taking as we travel through these Psalms reminds us of where we come from, what our spiritual heritage is, what our Savior walked through as he did these very same Psalms of Ascent, possibly on his journeys up to Zion or the Mount of Jerusalem where the temple was. A couple of times Jesus got in trouble for not taking this route to go back and forth to Jerusalem. Instead, he went through the Sumerian territories, which no good self-respecting Jew would do at the time. And he went overland north of Jerusalem to go back to Galilee. Mm. He had an agenda. He had his focus, his business with his father to do wherever that was. But the good and upright Jews of the time would go back down to Jericho and then back up along the Jordan Valley Mm. to go to the north part of the country. So let's go jump on that row one more time with a new psalm. We're going to jump into Psalm 121 today. I'm going to read from the Common English Bible. The whole psalm, it's only eight verses. And again, many of these songs of ascent are meant to be sung, so they're not very long. They'd be like memorized worship choruses Mm -hmm. as you travel. Yeah. I raise my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God won't let your foot slip. Your protector won't fall asleep on the job. No, Israel's protector never sleeps or rests. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is your shade right beside you. The sun won't strike you during the day, neither will the moon at night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. God will protect your very life. The Lord will protect you on your journeys, whether going or coming, from now until forever from now. Great way of putting it. Now and forevermore is the old English way of Mm -hmm. saying that. But now and the not now yet. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever there's a now, whatever you're experiencing, it will be that your God, the Lord will watch over you. Um, We're going to focus on those first four verses today. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Now, it is a literal and a physical thing, right? You're in a place on a trail where things start getting tough and you look up saying, oh man, how far do we have to go here? And if you have never traveled these roads before, and maybe you're a young kid, who are you relying on? Of course, you're trusting in the people you travel with, your parents, your uncles, your extended family, because they would travel in large groups together for protection and to have companionship along the way and to make sure that somebody is available to help if something goes wrong. Someone twists an ankle or breaks a leg, God forbid. You have to deal with that along the way. Or an animal is injured or you have to circle the wagons literally to keep them safe at night from predators because there were lions living in those mountains at the time. The first thing you see when you look up there is a challenge. And it's hopeful because if you've ever been there before, you know that beyond that mountain is Jerusalem. And beyond the Mount of Olives, which is the last thing to see from the east coming in toward Jerusalem, you would finally see the revelation, the revealing of the Temple Mount Mm. below you a bit and across the Kidron Valley. 
But none of that can be seen for the next 20 or 30 miles. Mm. It's all a steady ascent until it suddenly happens. In Greek, they would talk about chronos and kairos, mm. the two versions of time that you experience. Chronos is the times that you write down on the calendar, the events that happen over the course of, as we would say now, time. Over that chronos, this happened, that happened, and your life happened in the dash between your death and birth. Your birth and death are part of that chronos. They're marked on the calendar, the continuum. But then there's Kairos. And Kairos was the times that really stood out, that really impressed you, that blew your mind, or that you couldn't escape, or, as we would say now, traumas that happened to us. Yeah. Those things embed themselves, sometimes like an arrow in your flesh, sometimes like a weight on your pillow. There's just a, I know I was there. I experienced it. No one can take that away from me. Yeah. There's a lot of chronos in a travel over land. We were walking and trying to keep people happy and keeping the kids chirpy and keeping everyone on the track and not dragging behind or straggling. But when you finally get there, hopefully with one heart and one mind, you'll step into a Kairos moment where like, wow, there she is. Yeah. There's Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Those kind of are-we-there-yet journeys that end up with a view of the grand thing, the Grand Canyon, or a waterfall, or in this case, Jerusalem, would be the moment you've been working up to. It's that moment that makes the journey, the effort, worthwhile. Yeah. The thing about these first few verses that really stands out to me is knowing somewhat the history of the children of Israel. Mm Mm-hmm. How they had so oftentimes put their trust in the Temple Mount, Mm. in where the Temple was, up in Jerusalem, on the mountain of Zion, and that was where the dwelling place of God was. So, the scripture is saying, don't put your trust in that mountain, in that place, specifically, even though historically that's what you've done. Because the maker of that mountain, the maker of that very place, that mound of dirt, is the one that you need to look to for your protection, for your guidance. And I just wonder, what are some things that we trust in, that we put our security in, that are not God himself? Things that are made by God, but not God. We have replaced God sometimes with those. I think about people that have been solid people in my life, you know, that you just, man, they're the ones that I've got to call when I need help. They're the ones, you know, I think about my dad. My dad was the solid man that I could count on, that I knew no matter where I was in the world. And I called him. He's going to find a way to help me out. When my dad passed away in 2001, it shattered me. It, It was just this, now what? Who am I going to call? Even though we were married, we'd been married a few years, that was just a mentality that I had about Mm. my daddy. It was earth-shaking to me to think, I cannot just call him and know that he's going to figure out a way to get to me or to get help to me. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry— These are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160. Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. 
and know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. It was earth-shaking to me to think, I cannot just call him and know that he's going to figure out a way to get to me. I was reminded at that time, and over the years I've been reminded in other ways, that that cannot happen. I cannot put my trust in a person or in a place or a situation. I need to put my trust in the one who made those things. Yeah. Why so downcast, oh, my soul, mm. put my hope in God, put yeah. my trust in God. Yeah. yeah. At that point in your life, you also had an argument to have with God about the kind of prayers we've been praying, about mm. the miracles that we're hoping for with the kind of cancer treatment that your dad was going through at the time. There were promising possibilities. Mm-hmm. And he was willing to submit himself to many incredibly painful procedures and medicines that took a huge toll on what was left of his strength. But he was willing to try, partly for his sake. He wanted to live longer, but mostly for the kids. He wanted to be able to be there for the grandkids. And he knew that we were still having kids. Yeah. And at some point, he felt like it was for humanity. Yeah. What research was being done. That he probably would not survive the treatments, but they would learn something that would help somebody else. So the man was a sacrificial giver. There's no doubt about that. But what you ended up with, honey, was this replacement problem. Yeah. You had trusted in God because you trusted for him to help your father who you trusted in. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. If you're trusting in God to do something for you because you already have security in something and you don't want to lose that security, and yet it still happens, Mm -hmm. then you're downcast. The psalmist is usually telling us, wait a minute, not that but this. Mm -hmm. Put your hope in God. Put your trust there. If we get to a point where we've lost hope, we really haven't lost hope. We have lost the certainty of our hope. We want to hope. We want to be part of something that's going to be glorious and know that on the other side of this is going to be something worth enduring. So hope doesn't go away, but it can often be crushed. Mm -hmm. Our lives can be just ripped to shreds. We have to lift our eyes to the mountains and say, where am I in this? Am I hoping in that? Or is there something beyond that that I'm hoping for? What is it that I'm really looking for? Then the psalmist tells us, from where will I receive that help? Now, if you're facing the mountain for the first time, like many kids would on this kind of journey to Jerusalem, there's no way I'm going up there. I mean, I'm, what, five years old? I'm going to climb that? Mm. You look at the mountain and it's not a reassurance. It's not an encouragement. It's a threat. It's a challenge. And you're not sure you can do it. Mm -hmm. Well, the psalm instructs those children, those young people even, to ask from where you will receive that help that you need to conquer that. Now, those who have done that journey a number of times, they've seen the mount. They've had a Kairos moment. They look at Jerusalem. Their hope is alive in them because they've been there before. They've seen it. They haven't just heard someone else talk about it. So they know if they can just endure over the top of that mountain, it's going to be okay. And maybe you're an old person late in life going on what you think will be the last journey to Jerusalem. And you're trusting in your family to help you get there. And maybe their whole motivation to be on this trip is to help you one more time ascend that mountain. So the Kairos moment can be all about you together having that moment, Mm -hmm. to share it together. There are plenty of those kind of Kairos moments I would love to know are going to happen in our lives over the time that God has left for us on this earth. We have hopes that our kids will be around us, our grandchildren, to see certain things happen together, Mm -hmm. that we'll be able to celebrate together at home. And we imagine the future Christmases and Thanksgivings, all those things, because we want love to be present right here. We want our family to be present. That's the hope I think most every parent has after a certain time. It's the greatest reward there is. 
money doesn't count anymore. It's about being together. So my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's going to help me for whatever this thing is. And every person's got a different challenge at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. Not everybody in the group is going to feel the same thing at the same moment ascending that mountain. But yet you've got to do it together. So whatever your perspective is, whether you're fearing the challenge of the mountain or whether you're excited to get moving and running up that hill because you know what's on the other side, everyone's still got to work together to get there. Yeah. Well, and that was the whole purpose of this. They all were working together toward this goal. And they looked to this mountain. And the psalmist is reminding him, the mountain is a place that you're going. It is not your ultimate goal. It's a place. And it's where the Most High dwells. And he made that place. And he just wants to remind us. I was intrigued by something that I read in one of the footnotes on here, that the maker of heaven and earth, the psalmist makes a very specific statement here. This is the maker of heaven and earth. This is the maker of that mountain. So depending on your faith tradition, if you are in one, as Bram and I are, that recites the Nicene Creed on Sundays or the Apostles' Creed in some other places, this is part of that. This is incorporated into that, the maker of heaven and earth. You affirm that. You believe in this God who actually made the heaven and earth. But I want to keep going on to like verse three and four. Verse three says that this maker of heaven and earth will not permit your foot to stumble. He who guards you will not fall asleep. And that that little phrase has kind of intrigued me because yeah. I thought, well, of course, it's God. He's not going to fall asleep. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. But I was reading another footnote in another place where the pagan gods were thought to take naps. Mm-hmm. They would fall asleep. They would rest and take naps and they would eat and drink and be merry and, you know, do their own thing. And, and with thunder and earthquakes would sometimes come out of their wakings. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes not be paying attention. Right. The psalmist knows that people around them believe this. The people mm-hmm. of this yes. time believe these things. And he's reminding the children of Israel, our God, the God, the maker of heaven and earth, does not sleep. Yeah. He's not going to miss something. The shepherd of Israel. Along the way. Yeah. He's going to guard you. He never sleeps. He never slumbers because he's guarding you in verse four. When you hear a promise in a verse like this, it says, he will not permit your foot to stumble. There's some hyperbole there, right? Mm-hmm. If you happen to be running up that hill and you're a kid and you twist your ankle, does that mean the scripture was false? These things are written in a poetic way Mm -hmm. to get at a deeper truth, too. It's not just about the scrapes or even the broken bones. Sometimes bad things happen on the road. So we have to reconcile that kind of statement. He will not permit your foot to stumble against the vagaries of life, the The things that can go wrong. And I don't have a great answer for all that, except that I think in Christ, as we are now, as we understand ourselves to be close to God because we're covered completely now that we're enveloped in him. We've been absorbed into the inside of the heart of God. We're not standing on the outside anymore. We're already in. The healing and the strength and the joy and the power are already there. And like Paul says, these momentary sufferings, the ones that really climb up on me and that claw me back down, are nothing compared to the glories that shall be revealed in Christ Jesus. And I think people that are already living in that kind of frame of mind Don't mind so much if they skin their shins, if they get a bloody nose, if they have to do it the hard way. Or even for those that we've met over our years that have gone to extraordinary levels of persecution that have somehow stayed here to give their stories to us. 
They should have been dead where they were, and yet God gave them life again enough in the body to continue to be witnesses and be faithful to him to bring the story to others. I think, too, honey, even about people that have not necessarily endured persecution because of their faith. We know some people that have tremendous pain in their lives. I think of the Rosenbergers. I think Standing with Hope Mm -hmm. and Hope for the Caregiver. Peter and Gracie, who are living testaments of the faithfulness of God and how in suffering Gracie yeah. endures such pain in her daily life. Yeah. I think of Johnny Erickson Tata, who yeah. is the same and, and endures such pain, and other people that we know that have physical pain in their bodies and are such living testaments to God's faithfulness and how this psalm, I think, would be such a strength to them to say that he doesn't let me stumble because my eyes are fixed on him. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'd look at this in a metaphorical way or in a spiritual sense that our eyes are fixed on him. And as long as we are trusting in the maker of heaven and earth, that he is our help, he is the one that we trust in to give us direction and to guide us, knowing that he doesn't sleep or slumber, We're not going to stumble in our walk with that, in our walk with him, because he's guiding us. So if we keep our eyes on the maker of heaven and earth, then we won't stumble. We don't stumble. It's when we take our eyes off of the maker of heaven and earth. It's when we start to see the mountain itself Mm -hmm. as our help, rather than the maker of that mountain as our help. And you mentioned the light and momentary affliction that Paul talks about, and that's in 2 Corinthians. And he says, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Mm -hmm. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's where our help comes from. And it's for those things that the help comes. Yeah. Again, Paul is saying that the real substance of things that we hope for may not be matter, as in mm-hmm. like a rock right. you hold in your hands, yeah. but that they are, because of the nature of eternity, are more real and are more substantial than anything around us. Yeah. And when you say transitory or transparent or like a vapor, the things you hold in your hands now, the body you live in, the tent you dwell in, is literally going to vaporize. It's going to turn back into dust that we're not Mm -hmm. using anymore personally, but we still exist, he's saying. So there's got to be something that's more than just the stuff around us that is the real thing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. So we have to ask ourselves, what's the real thing we're after? You know, And what kind of help can we get? It's got to be the kind of help that by nature is already on that plane. That's bringing it all together. The things we go through, the hard rocks we hit with our knees here, but even the harder obstacles in our hearts and our minds that hold us back from worshiping freely and and experiencing God right where we are. Now, the psalmist calls those times of trouble Mm. and trouble times or when the things that surround me are overwhelming. Those are the times that we have to remember to focus on God, focus on the maker of heaven and earth. As we focus on the maker of heaven and earth, we're going to wrap up this particular take on Psalm 121. Remember, friends, we have a study guide available to you for a download for free at our website, CompassionRadio.com. Just look for Psalm 121, part one, and that study guide will be available for you on the web. And the program, of course, available to you to replay anytime or share with a friend. We'd love to have you do that. Thanks for joining us for Chasing the Word this week. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Compassion Radio.
Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.